Today's reading is taken from Matthew 2, uh, starting at verse 1, and you'll find it on page 966 of your Pew Bibles. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least amongst the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod they returned to their country by another route this is the word of the Lord thanks be to God take a seat I wonder who has had a long journey over the last few weeks anyone had a long journey? You've had a long journey. <laughs> Been to Hawaii. That's probably... Anyone further than Hawaii? Yes. Charlotte? Uh, Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Wow. That's pretty. Where did you go? Um, we went to Andorra. Andorra. Was it snowy? Partly. Partly. But you were skiing, weren't you? So hopefully there was some snow. A little bit of snow. Where did you go? Essex. Essex. No, 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 not Essex. Exeter. Nearly the same. Exeter. <laughs> Fantastic. Journeys. Often we have journey. Anyone in this over here had a journey? No, not really. <laughs> Sometimes the shortest journeys are the hardest ones, aren't they? But I wonder what it was that made three men travel to follow a star a long way, way before trains, cars, aeroplanes. The pictures tell us they went on camels, whether they were actually on camels or not. We don't really know, possibly. But it was a long journey. Three wise men, three kings, three magi, three seers, lots of different words to describe them. Whoever they were, they came from the east, probably from Persia, 
or from southern Arabia. They may have been astrologers studying the sky and looking for signs and um, some sort of indication of the future through what they saw in the sky. But they were aware of something new happening, of a bright new star. And they'd heard some prophecies that said when that star shone, there was a new king, a new messiah, a new saviour. And so they followed the star to find out where it went. And in our nativities, it's such an easy journey, isn't it? They just appear in the stable, along with the shepherds, and join the family around the baby Jesus. But it must have been a horrendous journey. It would have been long, tiring, forever having to get out their charts. What happens if it was cloudy one night and they couldn't see the star? You can imagine what it must have been like. So what was it that led them to do that journey? They weren't Jewish. They'd heard that this was going to be the king of the Jews. It wasn't their king. So what an incredible journey that they took. They weren't Jewish, and yet when they arrived and saw Jesus face to face, they worshipped him. And for me, that is the most phenomenal little part of that story. They worshipped him. Because they were not Jewish. They would not have been allowed in the temple. And the nativity stories in the Bible speak of people on the fringe or on the outside of society coming and meeting Jesus face to face and bowing down to worship him. In Luke's Gospel, we have the shepherds. The angels appear to the shepherds on the hillside. They come down from the hill, come into the stable, kneel down and worship Jesus. The shepherds were dealing with animals. They were unclean and would not have been allowed in the temple. People who could not have worshipped God were the first to encounter him face to face. I just find that phenomenal. And then these men who had arrived from another nation, who were Gentiles, who were unclean, who would never have been allowed in the temple, came down and recognised God, who was not their God, and worshipped him. I just find that so phenomenal. And the more I thought about it this week, the more it has struck me that one of the messages of Christmas is that God appears to those on the fringe to those on the edge. Maybe it's because they are the ones who recognise him. And what does that say to us? But it was shepherds and Gentiles who came and met Jesus face to face and bowed down and worshipped him. How that would have changed their lives, we don't know because we don't read of them again. But God revealed himself to those on the edge and on the fringe. And they recognised who he was and it changed their lives. It's a pretty good mission strategy because it didn't involve anybody else. It's just God. And sometimes I think we've got so tied up in church. We're thinking about evangelism and plans and strategies and what we need to do is this. And yet God is at work in the world now. Revealing himself to many, many people 
And they are recognising him. And I think sometimes in church we've forgotten that. And that's really struck me this week as I've been thinking about what to say today. Because we know in our heads that this is true. But I'm not convinced that we live our lives in the reality of it. I think we've got a, a, a mindset that is partly because of our experience of how we have grown up and how we've come to know God. And we confine God to within church and what we are doing. And yet God is at work in the world, revealing himself to people that we would not imagine or expect. And they see him and meet him. They may not fully understand. They may need discipling. That's great. It's a good church word. We understand that. We can get on board with that. They may need a Christian fellowship to belong to to be able to come and to worship. But God is at work. Theological term is missio dei, the mission of God. God is at work in the world. And we, his people, join with him in order to facilitate what he is already doing. But he goes ahead of us and moves out before we even think about moving out. And in the stable, it was the people who could not come into the temple, who knelt down and worshipped God. And if you stop and think about that, it blows your mind. Because God is at work in the world. And we should be so excited about that. And just desperate to join with him in what he is doing. This could be a year of sermons, and it won't be. This is going to be fairly brief. But I just want to think about three things that this has made me think about as a result of pondering that short phrase, they bowed down and worshipped him, and thinking of the full implications of what that meant. Three questions for us as a church. And the first is this, what are our expectations? What are we expecting God to do? And who are we expecting him to work amongst us? Because if I'm boxed in, I am limiting God. Not literally, because God will do whatever he is, but I miss out on what God is doing, because I have actually created a little box that says, this is how God is working, and I'm missing what he is doing elsewhere. And God is at work. And I want to tell you about my experience of the Christmas services. You know my habit of standing in the porch at the beginning of a service. I know perhaps some of you find that a bit unusual, but it works for me. And when I stand in the porch, I see what happens. And I see who comes in here. And over the Christmas services, I had conversations with Darren, who was doing the same thing, and Guy, who was also doing the same thing. And we watched who was coming into our big services. Carol service, crib service, 10.45 on Christmas morning. We had more people in church who do not normally come here than we had of those who belong here normally. That's incredible. At the crib service, I recognised a group of people who we know from Chatterbox, a group of people who we know from school and connections we've made from school, but there was a significant number of people who had no connection with us whatsoever. How do I know that? Because I stand in the porch every week and I know who comes. I go to Chatterbox and I go to school. And I could see that people were coming into the crib service and at 10.45 on Christmas morning, who we never normally see, 
We might see them once a year, and I've been here long enough that I can spot the faces that come once a year. But people were coming on Christmas Eve at 4 o'clock and at 10.45 on Christmas morning who do not normally come and worship God. Why would you do that if you're busy organising Christmas? Because God is working in their lives to the point at which they want to be here. And it might be only that, but that's enough, isn't it? I was so excited, as were Darren and, and Guy, and they both said the same thing to me. Each year, it's happening more and more. Each year, over the last three or four years, because they've been standing in the porch as well, watching what is happening, and each year, it's more and more. We are touching people's lives, perhaps only once a year, but we are touching their lives. No, God is touching their lives. For some of them, I don't even know how they knew the services were on. Maybe it's because we improved our publicity. That's a strategy, isn't it? Make sure your publicity is good and God does the rest. Because very few of those people were coming with us. Some were, but the majority who came knew were coming on their own. They weren't being brought by us. So I can only assume that something is going on for them that makes them want to come. Now that raises lots of questions about, okay, what do we do then? How do we build them in? And Darren said, you know, how do we get it that they come more and more? Because they're seeing something, they're feeling something. What's the next bit? And that should make us think, okay, God is touching people. What do we need to be doing to help that next step that they'll be able to experience him more and more? But God was doing something, and it is phenomenal. And a huge privilege and so humbling to stand and see people come in. And I can tell by the way people are as to whether they've met God in some way. And most of them, I would say, are coming in and experiencing something. Because I know by their body language. I know by what they say as they go out. There's a very polite handshake that you might get at a funeral. Lovely service, thank you very much. And this wasn't that. I know the difference. God is doing something. That should be so exciting at the beginning of 2019 to know that we probably had 150 people over a 48-hour period come in here, encounter something of God that we don't normally see. Wow. What a privilege. That is so exciting. God is at work in people's lives. What are we going to do about it? Huge question. I told you it's a year's worth of sermon, but what are we going to do? What are our expectations? Are we expecting that? Are we creating a place for that? How do we get to know these people? Goodness, only knows. We can't ask them to put a badge on them when they come in. So what do we need to be doing? The hospitality is really important. Being able to actually stop and offer a cup of coffee and begin a conversation. This is really important stuff because God is at work. He's touching people's lives before they ever walk through this door. So that's number one. What are our expectations? Let's raise our expectations. And actually, let's believe that the people we do know might want to come as well. And perhaps be a little bit braver about inviting them and asking them. So number two. Firstly, what are our expectations? The second one is where are we seeing God at work? How do we know that God is at work? How do we know what he is doing? How can we see that and imagine that and build upon that? We need to hear God. 
there's a plug for the sermon series that's about to start next Sunday. We're going to be spending a few weeks thinking about how we hear God. Because I know I use that language quite a lot. And a lot of you come and say, you say, Debbie, let's hear God, but I don't know how to hear God. So we're going to do some practical stuff about going through the Bible and finding different ways in which people heard God through dreams, through other people, through scripture. We hear God in an infinite number of ways. First thing we need to do is to believe that God is speaking. The tools are easy. And we can teach you that and we can practice that and we can begin to believe that God is speaking and that we want to hear him. And so we're going to have a series specifically on hearing God because I believe that God is speaking at the moment. And I'm really excited about 2019. As I say, my experiences, I've seen people touched by God. He is doing something amongst us. Chatterbox is stuffed full of people at the moment. There was one week where you had 35 people. We've got 35 parents. We've got 60 families that we have connections with through Chatterbox. I mean, this is a village. Let's remember who we are. That is phenomenal. God is doing something. And the language that people are using in Chatterbox is saying, this is not like other toddler groups that we go to. There's something different here. They're experiencing God. What do we do about it? How do we see this? How do we know that? We need to be far more in tune with God and what he is doing. So let's get our tools sorted out. Let's believe that he is speaking. Let's learn the different ways in which he speaks. And let's practice that more and more so that we're all hearing God and seeing what he is doing. And then thirdly, where can we offer opportunities to build on what God is doing? So we see God is doing something, we begin to hear him, and then our strategy needs to follow as a result. And that's the way around. And I think too often in churches we started with a strategy. We want to evangelise, so therefore we're going to set up a plan and we work backwards. Actually, God is already doing the work. Let's catch on with what he's doing. So he's doing the work amongst parents with young children at the moment. That's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm believing. The 1045, therefore, is the place where we're specifically offering a welcome because those families are coming there. So we invite Chatterbox parents to come to 1045. And we are, and it's taken a while to actually understand what that service needs to look like. Because initially those people weren't there. And I couldn't frame it. And it was frustrating for you, I know, that I couldn't describe what 1045 ought to look like. But I couldn't because the people weren't yet there. They're there now. And I can see more and more as to what that service needs to look like. And it needs to be far more fluid. It needs to be about belonging. It needs to be children in as well, because parents who do not normally come to church want to be with their family. They don't necessarily want to be separate. That's church stuff where we want to separate. People who are on the edge want to come and be together. So offering welcome together. It's belonging, it's networking, it's making connections, it's making it real. It's making Christianity real to everyday life. And we become more adept at that. It will change every month and it's fluid and it might not always be comfortable and I might stand up and I think, what I've prepared today isn't going to work as I look out and see the people thinking, hmm, different lot of people. And I've got to be willing to change and listen to God in the moment 
and say, actually, I think God is saying something different this morning, so can I adapt what I've done and be willing to change? Because they're coming. They're coming, and that is a place where then we build and develop. And 1045 isn't going to be the only place. Where are our places of opportunity to welcome in those whom God is already meeting? It's everywhere. We have Cafe Church, an ideal opportunity to bring others in who have got questions. How many times have you sat down over a cup of coffee with a colleague who asks the deepest theological question you think, I don't even know where to start? It's usually about suffering, but often will link to other things. Let's make Cafe Church that resource where we are bringing in those who have the questions because they are asking them. All we are doing is saying, let me find you a place where we can help you explore that question. And we will make Cathy Church whatever it needs to be for those who are coming. It's much easier to respond to those who are coming than to sit in January and think, what should our program be for the next 12 months? Because we respond to who is there. And that's much more relevant and much more exciting. Our home groups, how do we make our home groups places of invitation, of welcome, of actually, again, being willing to change and adapt because we've got somebody who wants to come. But actually, studying Leviticus, which is what we really want to do, isn't going to work for them. Will we change what we want to make it relevant for somebody else? Will we change what we want from our services to make them more open to those who need to be here? Huge, huge questions. But we need stepping stones Because God is at work. He's at work massively in this school. I've spent quite a bit of time thinking about this. I'm going to be doing some work with Bishop Joe about theology and schools and mission. And I've spent a lot of time thinking, why is God so actively at work in school that I feel it when I go in? That an offset inspector who is not there to inspect um, Christianity, but will walk in. And the first comment she made, this was five years ago, When she reported back, she said, I have never been in a school with such a deep feeling of spirituality in my life. Why did an Ofsted inspector who wasn't a Christian pick that up? What is God doing in that school and how is it happening? Because it's not a plan that says, here's what we're going to do. God is there. I think it's because there's space for prayer. And the children pray instinctively every day, in class and in assembly. And when you pray... You create holy space and God invades holy space. So long before I go in to take an assembly, long before open the book goes in, God is already at work. That is so exciting. He is already at work in our school. So what do we need to be doing to build on that? These are the questions we need to be asking in 2019 because God is at work. I am excited. I hope you are excited. He is at work. He's doing something really exciting. And we've actually got to be asking the right questions and focusing on the right things. It's so easy to get bogged down with church admin that we lose sight of why we're here. And we lose sight of what God is doing and we miss the opportunities. But people are being touched by God in our communities. I know it. I see it. I strongly believe it. We need to all be excited by that and work together and hear God 
hear God for what he is asking of us. Not to suddenly run off and come up with 15 plans. I haven't got the energy for 50 plans. Let's just do what he's asking of us. And let's do it together. Let's commit to learning more about how we hear him. Let's commit to bowing on our knees and worshipping. Let's commit to pray. Let's commit to do whatever he is asking of us. To ask the right questions. To focus on the right things. I spend more time sorting out trivia than I do about focusing on the big things in church life. And that's sad. And a lot of the trivia... I remember Colin saying, some of the stuff just needs to happen. Today we need to get this church cleared. So please, let's all help to clear the church so that that doesn't become an issue for the week. And let's then spend our energies and our focus on responding to what he is already doing and join with him and work with him and set off on an adventure because we'll not be in the same place this time next year as we are now because he is at work. Amen.